0: Welcome to the 160th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So, Roger, this week we're pleased to welcome Frank Mong to the podcast. Frank is the COO of Novo Labs. Frank, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Don. Hi, Roger. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, Frank... Tell us a little bit about Nova Labs and Helium Mobile. What problem are you guys trying to solve for?
1: Yeah, no, thank you for that. I, I think it's important that I give you a bit of context of where this all came from, how we were inspired. And this is a, I'll give you a quick short summary, the TLDR version of this. Uh, company started in 2013 as Helium Systems, Inc. by Sean Fanning of Napster fame and Amir Halim, a former game developer, and a Quake champion of the world, the two of them got together to solve a simple problem to really track, at the time, drones that that potentially fly out of connection with their remote controls. And that snowballed and spiraled over five years, ultimately in 2017, 2018, to the idea that we need a global network to connect Internet of Things, which are sensors and devices that use small small amount of bandwidth and small amount of data. That problem statement caused us to take a look at the different technologies available at the time. And in 2018 timeframe, 2019 timeframe, as some of you may know, and your audience may be aware, cryptocurrency became a big deal. Bitcoin, Ethereum became a household name. And as a company, we thought that's a pretty unique technology. What if we could turn that into a feature for what we're trying to build, which is a global network, and build this network differently instead of thinking about it as a single source entity that controls the network, builds infrastructure, sort of like the traditional legacy model. Why don't we try a new model, a decentralized model? And so we went down this rabbit hole called blockchain and cryptocurrency and decided that we're going to build our own blockchain, one that is an incentive to enable individuals to build an IoT network that work together across the globe and individually operated, individually owned. But the thing that tied them together was the wireless protocol. We chose LoRaWAN for a sub-gigahertz unlicensed spectrum and the Helium blockchain, which is the underlining incentive model. So I'm not going to go into too much tech about the blockchain itself, but we had to create multiple pieces. We used as much off-the-shelf parts as we could, and then we open-sourced it all. And so from 2019 to now, we launched an IoT network globally. We open-sourced all of it. We gave away the name Helium to the community and the foundation that owns it. At the height of the network, it was about 900,000 to a million helium hotspots around the world. And these hardware devices were were open source, built by 20 to 30 manufacturers. The network is now live. This IoT network is live across, I want to say, 180 countries. That's 100, yeah, 180 countries, 69,000 cities. Uh, truly a global network, which is fantastic. And IoT sensors are using it more and more. Are coming online, which is fantastic. As part of that open source community growth, Helium Systems Inc. decided to change our business. We wanted to build applications on top of that network. So we changed our name to Noble Apps. And we think the killer app for both the blockchain and the network is actually more than just IoT. It's the incentive model, the, the underlining incentive model, which is I think the unique portion of this could be used to create all kinds of infrastructure, perhaps a cellular infrastructure. And so Nova Labs is now on a journey to not only continue to drive adoption of an IoT network and usage of that network that's open source, but also the start of a new kind of network that's a cellular-based network using CBRS, unlicensed spectrum in the United States, as well as Wi-Fi, to create this sort of hybrid model where it's both individually built cell towers using CBRS or Wi Fi in their small businesses or in their homes, as well as the traditional legacy macro networks provided by MNOs. In this case, our partner is T Mobile for that. And so we are down this journey now where Nova Labs is building this new kind of cell service called. Healing Mobile and Healing Mobile uses something that we call dynamic coverage, which is a combination of T Mobile's macro network across the United States, as well as individual owned and operated cell towers using CBRS or Wi Fi offloading. So that's the difference in, in our model and our approach. And we've launched in Miami. We're selling the CBRS radios. We're selling healing mobile hotspots, which are, you know, Wi-Fi in nature, they're Wi-Fi offloading devices. And we're essentially trying to build both a subscription service model, as well as a hybrid network model at the same time. So you can think of it, you know, if you're listening to this, it's kind of like what Uber did with changing the way the taxi industry works with this private citizen driven car service and individuals requesting that car service and having those two things meet. We're enabling individuals to subscribe to Helium Mobile. And at the same time, we're en- enabling individuals to own and operate the cell towers that subscribers will use. And we're trying to bring those two things to meet in the city of Miami and Miami-Dade County. Hopefully that makes sense.
2: It, it makes a lot of sense, but there are also a lot of questions, right? Great. So, I think you have done God's work building a massive, massive LoRa network, huge, above and beyond expectations and what could be reasonably expected. And it was built and they will come. But the question is, did they come and will they come? And I think you guys going into a more traditional mobile wide area network might be that, that killer app. Right, because there are not that many drones that are running out of coverage area uh, that need to be caught. And you know, you mentioned Uber. I hope, I hope that at the end of the story, it's not like Uber, where Uber has become more expensive than what they tried to replace. You know, every time I'm at the airport, I, I start hating Uber because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Right? I don't think we will have that danger. But can we talk a little bit about the adoption of it?
1: Sure. Do you want to talk about the IoT adoption or the cellular adoption? In general, both. Sure. So on the IoT side, I think for those that know about LoRa and LoRaWAN, that network's been around for some time in that stack. the So I would call it a partial open source stack has been around for some time. One thing I, I would say is I don't believe in the IoT realm there's a killer app, like, like email or text messaging or ride sharing. To me, in the world of Internet of Things, it's a strange combination of industrial applications as well as potential consumer usage. And from our vantage point, as we work with Fortune 500 companies, or government entities, the things that we found to be the biggest problems that require a network like LoRaWAN with the characteristics, lots of long, long range, measured in miles and measured in kilometers of range, but the data sizes are tiny, measured in bytes. The typical problems tend to be either water-related, whether it's water management to natural disaster flooding, or climate change, wildfire being one of the biggest problems around the world. We've seen lots of news recently, but over if you look over the last four or five years, wildfires are just crazy. It's one of the things that we we as humans like any animal, can't, can't control. It's something we cannot fight. So early detection, early warning prevention is really the only way to try to mitigate as much of that as possible. So we're seeing a lot of those applications coming online using the healing network. And you'll see a lot more specific use cases and specific companies using the healing network and the IoT network to address that. So I can't talk more about it, but they're coming and, they, and it's growing.
2: Because your network is huge. It's impressive as hell
1: right? Thank you. Yes, it is. Hey, by the way, it's not my network. It's the community's network. It's
2: the community network. So many people are excited about this, put their money where their excitement is, bought their own hotspots. Yeah, that's right. Really, really impressive.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it is impressive. And that that community has just exploded. And I I think their efforts and, and their ability to drive the ecosystem is what's amazing. That, I think that's a, a really good demonstration of the power of open source. We've seen it over and over again, right? Everything from Linux and beyond to now this Helium network, which is amazing. Now, on the cellular side, it's early days in our, our evolution. What we're focused on, I think, are two things. One, integrating the backend, which you, you guys are experts more so than I am in the listeners' Know this well. Integrating a back end of a traditional legacy telco system, I don't care which telco you are, and trying to integrate that with modern futuristic stacks is very difficult. There's a lot of complexities there. And what I'm talking about is handoffs between a T Mobile network to a CBRS network to Wi Fi offload, making sure that the consumer user experience is flawless. Like that is super hard. I I can't stress how difficult that is. And It's not that the people can't do it. It just takes a lot of time and there's a lot of pieces that we're talking about in those stacks. Part of it is Magma and Magma's Core. For those that don't know, that's the Facebook open source CBRS stack that was created years ago. So we're using that as much as we can. Part of that is, is integrating all the phones, and there's so many flavors of Android, it becomes almost impossible to satisfy every single requirement. That becomes, I think, very difficult. That's just one bucket of things, and then the other bucket of things is just customer support, customer experience. If you have an Android or you have a flavor of Android, you have iPhone and various versions of iPhone. It, you know, you've got to support the CBRS bands. It's got to support Wi-Fi handoff. Well, it's we got to do a lot of work on the UI and the UE and the UX, and it's just not easy. And I think trying to do all of those things. At a startup speed while providing great support, I think is is the magic that that is the thing that we have to do well i don 't think it 's something that anyone can do well on its own, but we have to do all all those things well, and so that 's our challenge and that 's something we you know we have to figure out. so I would say it 's early days we 've been in beta for not i think six to nine months, which I think is fair I, I would argue we could still be in beta because there's so many so many things to do. But as a startup, we, we just want to get out there, right? We want to get the stuff in the wild, have it cooking, and see if it tastes good. Like We just have to get out there. So that's what we're doing. We're getting it out there in Miami-Dade County. We're trying to constrain our user base to something that we feel like we can control. Trying to get the network up and running in the county is difficult. And trying to get placement of hotspots in the right locations is crucial, because when you're dealing with CBRS frequencies and Wi-Fi frequencies, we're talking a block of range, two blocks of range. You know, this is Wireless
2: is hard, and wireless customer service is even harder. We, we track net promoter scores of mobile operator and many other things on a, on a weekly basis. And while the carriers more or less do a good job on the technical delivery, almost all of them fall down on the customer service experience. The only exception is actually FWA, which does a, does a really good job. They're the FWA products. And so, great kudos to you guys to do this. So, you're six to nine months in with the beta. What are the lessons?
1: One of the lessons is just making sure we're pacing correctly with our partner. So, T-Mobile has been incredibly supportive in our endeavor here as a partner of course we're paying to use our network but also as an as an investor so deutsche Telekom, their parent company is one of our investors in our series d round and so that relationship actually has been very good and so we we appreciate that organization very much because a lot of it's learning on our part and then of course we run fast because we're small right we're nimble but they can't and For obvious reasons. And so that I think learning how to pace ourselves with them is is crucial to survive this, I think, and and also to thrive. And the I think the other side of this is just education on switching plans and learning how to switch plans. So we're optimizing for signups and how to how to sign up to use a service. So we're optimizing that as much as we can. Turns out it's actually quite difficult to move your phone number from your current carrier. It's not. It's not easy. I get it. Why would you make it easy? You don't want your subscribers to leave. So trying to figure out how to optimize for all the different services out there to move your number to our service is not easy. I think, unfortunately, it's not always within our control. So that's something that we have to figure out.
2: Yeah, there's an independent organization, iConnective, that that is responsible for that. And yeah, it's hard, but it's hard because... It needs to work, right? And it can't fail. And and it's, yeah, t- wireless is hard, right? It makes it look easy, but it's not.
0: So what do consumers need to do if they're going to move over? Is this a, you know, are you guys eSIM compatible? Do they need a SIM card? Obviously, most folks are probably going to port. How does that process look like for provisioning?
1: It just starts by going to our website, hellohelium.com. And as much automation as we can provide, selecting your phone and your phone model, you can either use an eSIM or you can get a physical SIM, depending on what kind of phone you have. But the, the website will guide the user through that. That's the easy part, I think. But then if you're on a current M&O of another brand, trying to get out of that and moving your number, that that, that requires a lot of sort of Education and, and and sort of research on how to do that, and, and usually it's not us, but it's you know it's uh, it's the other carrier. Well, our our support staff is, is now well versed in that, so if they have questions, they can always ask us, or they can go to Google Chat GPT. Probably can give them answers, but we're happy to. We have chats available and open to help them with that. The last thing that's difficult, I should make very clear to your user, your listeners, is that getting the helium hotspots in mobile hotspots, in the right places where people aggregate, people hang out, that that is very difficult. I didn't realize how hard it was for MNOs to figure out where towers need to go. It's actually quite difficult because signal propagation is different in every physical geography. Buildings, trees, wind, weather all play a role, and there's so many variables there. And the physics of this just makes it incredibly difficult. Everyone should know that it, that is inc- incredibly hard to do well.
0: Yeah, I remember from way back when, when I was working on network testing products, you could look at the data and tell what, what season it was in different parts of the country because just the leaves on trees will change the propagation characteristics by three or four dB depending on the season. So it's it's obvi- definitely a very complex problem, even with centralized control that the carriers have, I think, for for crowdsourcing. You probably have more options in terms of tower locations. People can put it on their house and things like that, but it may not always be the optimal spot from a propagation perspective.
1: Definitely.
2: So The the cellular hotspot that you're using, is that similar to the, the LoRa hotspot that they're using, or what would be a, a, a difference between the two of them, and what's the same
1: yeah, it's it's different in that the parts are very different. So we're talking about a family of products of Helium Mobile hotspots that range from the lowest cost version is an indoor Wi-Fi offloader, essentially. And that's that's like a, a, a Wi-Fi hotspot specific to Helium Mobile. There's logic built in there that recognizes our PSIM or ESIM. And so the traffic gets offloaded to that Wi-Fi device uh, very simply, right? No No permissions needed. And that's, that's the lowest cost, all the way up to very high-end CBRS radios that require professional installation. That would be more fitting for malls and potentially stadiums where capacity is required and data throughput is required. So there's quite a difference in an in installation process and quite a difference in where you would install this. That's very different from the lower WAN hotspots. The other areas that are somewhat similar is is the rewards, right? The, the incentives here are based on blockchain and crypto. Those are different between the two, and there's a lot of details there that you can find. Just go to our website, hellohealing.com, or or uh, nova.xyz, and you can get more info. But if anyone's interested in just checking us out and talking to the community, who, who all have a wealth of knowledge here, it just go to. Discord.gg slash helium. There's about 200,000 people there talking about all of this stuff.
2: Very impressive. One last question. Say, Don and I, we uproot both of our families from from suburbia and we move to downtown Oakland and downtown Boston. We put our helium spots up for the cellular. We have tons of, of customers. How do we solve the backhaul problem? Can we go through our home internet provider, maybe fiber, maybe cable? And will they let us? How do they charge us? How does that work?
1: Yeah, I I would encourage everyone to read their terms of service with their internet provider and follow the terms of service. The other thing is you, you definitely want to be in a location where there's a lot of people having dinner, drinking at a bar, hanging out. So so the best locations for the healing mobile hotspots are small businesses, restaurants, bars, hotels, et cetera. And that's a public space and that's a, typically a, a business, right? So you, your internet backhaul should be appropriate for that, which would be a business class internet what business class fiber business class cable or whatever it is and in those cases the terms of service are are much more in favor of like you using it for your for your business so i I would again just encourage everyone to read their own terms of service make sure they follow that because it's different for every provider
2: terrific frank thank you very much for coming very appreciative of of you telling us about nova labs and and helium and helium mobile. really, really appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you so much, Roger. Thank you, Don. All right, thank you.